He smashed pretty much every billboard and streaming record that matters. It has already been streamed more than a billion times. Billion. People still to this day point to, this is the moment everything changed. But whether you agree with those claims or not, this podcast isn't really about him. Either you're not an astute businessman or you're inherently racist when it comes to black music in this country. This is not a Drake podcast. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. What are you? Where are you from? Where are your parents from? What it was like to quote unquote, grow up an oriental half breed in Canada. It's not the innocent question that a lot of people try and make it out to be. We're talking to Inappropriate Questions producer Sabrina Birch. Hi. We're doing this episode on the question, what are you all because of you? Yeah, so I do most things all because of you. Yes. Go on with your story. (laughs) Um, I'm mixed race and throughout my entire life, I've gotten lots of questions about my ethnicity, both personally and professionally. Can you tell us about a time someone has directly asked, a stranger in particular? Uh, Yeah. So I was at a hot pot restaurant with my sister. I went to the bathroom and another lady exited a stall and we're both like washing our hands. And we did the thing where you like make eye contact in the mirror. And I smiled and she just kind of like looked at me and she was like, oh, you know, like what's like what's your background, where you're from? Like you just look very like she didn't say different. She just kind of trailed off. And it felt very like you don't know me. We're just strangers in the bathroom at a restaurant. Like you don't care about who I am. You just kind of care for your own reasons, maybe like satisfying your curiosity. What you said, uh, Sabrina, is very, very interesting. I don't know whether you guys have noticed I wear a turban. So, <laughs> so uh, at times people look at me funny, like they're uncomfortable around right. me. I rather people ask me that question, even if they're strangers, uh, than be uh, uncomfortable because that's what makes me more uncomfortable. Well, see, that's interesting to me because I'm like, you should be able to talk to anyone without having them like quantify or explain themselves or legitimize themselves based on their ethnicity or background or religion or any of that. Like you shouldn't allow people to perpetuate that because it's not okay. Right. All right, Harf. I think it's time for us to talk to some actual experts now. I guess so. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. This was fun. I probably won't come back anymore. Better get her out, Harf. <laughs> Thank you, Sabrina. Chase Thank you so away. much. People are curious, and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask, or at least not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. In studio with us, we have Rima Tavares. Rima is an artist and educator who identifies as Black Mixed. She founded Mixed in Canada, a resource center for mixed race Canadians, and also co-founded the Mixed Art Conference. And she's here with us to help us break down the question, what are you? Welcome, Rima. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's going to be lots of fun talking to you and learning a lot from you today. Rima, could you tell us about an experience you've had being asked what are you? Yeah. So I was at a meeting to um, ask for donations because I was working for a charity. And the person, you know, kept looking at me. Uh, it was a, a guy. Um, I believe he was Italian. Eventually he was like, Rima, what kind of name is that? Which is another word for what are you, of course. 
And so I explained and, you know, I try my best to take up as much space as possible when people ask me what I am, because it's an invasive question and people usually want an answer like this. Um, but no one's entire identity can be responded to in an answer so small. I know you can't see me right now, but my fingers are very close together. <laughs> um, and so I answered and I gave him the full answer and he responded, uh, you, you shouldn't, you, you know, you shouldn't say that you're black. You, you don't look it. You can just say that you're Jewish. Um, and then continued to say, but make sure to tell your husband because one of your kids might turn out black and black blackness is carried on the female line. Wow. So, you know, when you break that down, there are a lot of assumptions about, um, you know, anti-blackness, about if you don't have to be black, why would you ever choose it? Um, there are, you know, assumptions about whether I would lie and pass for white and not tell my husband, <laughs> quote unquote, that I was black. It's not the innocent question that a lot of people try and make it out to be. Like, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, is often not actually true, you know, um, whether they realize it or not. On the flip side, I actually like most of the time when people ask me. And it helps to, I think, in my mind, avoid future anti-Black uh, comments <laughs> in my presence. So when people assume that I'm not Black, they will say things about Black people that they wouldn't necessarily say in front of someone who they can read as Black. So I like when people ask me, but I, I think I'm unique in that situation sometimes uh, because of the privilege I have of being racially ambiguous, of uh, being able to pass for white sometimes. Wow, so much to unpack. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So um, people are just curious mm -hmm. uh, and not in a negative way. If we were all the same, we would be very, very boring. Mm -hmm. So at times it could be an opening uh, or a breaking the ice, as I would say, that, okay, knowing a little bit about you, uh, that's, uh, that's how maybe the friendships develop. Mm -hmm. So have you ever looked at those angles of things? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's more about how and when. So for example, you know, if I meet you for the first time and within, you know, hi, like, what do you do? You know, the usual questions, what are you? Uh, that's pretty invasive. You know, um, I think if we, on the other hand, let's say we're colleagues and we work together and then one day you're like, hey, by the way, I was wondering, like, what's your background? That's to me, less invasive, that we're, you kind of know me a little bit already. Um, you're not just a stranger approaching me like in a park, um, which happens, you know. Um, I think that is a bit of a difference. Um, I think sometimes, you know, the idea is instead of what are you, which is objectification um, in the truest sense, who are you? You know, how do you identify? Those are ways that you can ask people about themselves where they get to own the answer a little bit more and it's a bit more humanizing and it's really about who gets asked the question you know um from my understanding most white people are not asked where are you from or what are you um and that really speaks to who is canadian and who isn't in our minds uh, unconsciously and consciously but mostly unconsciously does it matter who asks you that question uh in terms of say gender or it may be more offensive coming from 
say a white person than mm-hmm. from a brown person right. from uh, oriental uh, is that a fair uh, oriental i hope is not a bad thing to <laughs> I say i think asian is is oh, the yeah. new right, sorry, yeah sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> cut that out guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> see and 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 that's exactly my point like sometimes uh, we use the terms we don't realize that they are wrong terms yeah. to use yeah. and when we absolutely mean no harm in yeah. any way shape or form constantly evolving yeah, exactly and terms exactly and what is and isn't appropriate which is part of why we are making this podcast <laughs> and why we're all here today to really absolutely but does that really matter who asked the question i do feel more comfortable when people of color ask me because i have a feeling they're asking more for a community thing mm. a lot of people come to me and ask me what i am thinking i'm one of them So I'll have, you know, for example, uh Lebanese people when I was living in Ottawa. I I think Lebanese is probably what I pass for the most. Um and I would constantly have, you know, Lebanese people coming and speaking to me in Arabic and, you know, asking me, you know, where in Lebanon am I from? And it's very heartwarming because it's from a place of love and looking for community. And then I feel guilty because I'm like I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't speak Arabic and I'm not Lebanese and they're like confused. Um so then so it really depends on the asker as well. This question seems to try to classify people, you know, break people down into boxes or sort people. Why do you think humans like classifying other humans so much? You know, I think as human beings especially in modern times we are bombarded with information and so when we compartmentalize it helps us store information in smaller boxes literally compartmentalizing and it helps us store more information that way so i think it's our natural proclivity to compartmentalize and to put people and everything in boxes um but sadly it doesn't work for people uh the same way it does for say like plant life or you know <laughs> data uh on computers. We don't have latin names or <laughs> file names. Exactly. Um and I th- yeah, so I that would be my short answer is that it's just the way our brains work. It's the way we like to condense information, the way we can store the most information. However, it doesn't allow for the complexity of our our variety and our diversity as human beings. Hi, I'm Keisha. I've never seen somebody who is black ask somebody who's white what's your background. I'm realizing that the reason people are curious about that isn't that they're wondering like what my culture is. That the reason this is being asked is just sort of to assign like a stereotype. Obviously, you can't know what somebody's motivations are, but when it's only asked to people of color, that even we have to assign stereotypes to people, but we don't to the majority. We'll be back with Rima in just a moment. Our producer Sabrina spoke with Charlotte Henny, who is a PhD student at York University. She has been an elementary and a high school principal, predominantly in indigenous education. Here is part of their conversation. Have you ever been asked the question, "What are you?" I mean, yeah, in a variety of different ways, right? It used to be, "Where are you from?" Um, my cousins and I, when 
we were kids determined that when people said where you were from, we would say things like Pluto or Jupiter or, you know, when they would say, like, what's your background or I've had people ask, you know, what are you, right? Like, what color are you? And we'd say things like purple. Now people phrase it a little differently, right? They'll say, what's your background? Or sometimes people will come right out and say, are you mixed? So there are a lot of ways to be mixed, and there's obviously no right way or wrong way to be mixed. But have you seen any, in your experience, have you seen any constants in mixed race culture? I think the term itself, like mixed race culture, is problematic because it implies that there's some sort of, um, you know, synonymous experience, right, across the way that people identify and the things that go along with those identifications, as well as, you know, their cultural experiences, their upbringing. And and that's not true. There is no monolithic blackness. There's no monolithic indigeneity. And there's no monolithic mixedness. It varies from person to person, from situation to situation, and from um, according to people's experiences. But Identity isn't just what you think of yourself. It's also what other people think of you, right? It's a two-way street. For a lot of folks, there's no way we can imagine ourselves outside of the way other people place us. I often find with mixed-race people that you're treated as your parts. It's like, are you half this or a quarter that or an eighth, whatever? And you're not seen as a whole person. Yeah. There's there's this woman named Mary Ellen Turpel-Lafon, who's a, a Cree lawyer. I remember hearing her speak at a First Nations education conference and her talking about mixedness and saying, you know, when people asked her um, which part of her was Cree, how she was really confused about whether she needed to say her nose, her elbow, her shoulder, her ear, her knee, right? That, that sense of belonging or identity isn't something that can be um, dismantled and that there's an expectation that we can do that as people, and that is a problem in and of itself. Are there any other problematic associations society has with mixed-race people as a whole? Mixed-race can be mobilized, and it can also limit. There's a book that's written about um, the power of mixedness, right, and how mixed-race people are better-looking and smarter and um, the future of the world, right, because, you know, they're going to be genetically resistant to all different things and um, and they're going to take the best of all societies and bring those things together. And it's hugely dangerous and problematic, but it's also a rhetoric that exists in this whole notion of multicultural multiculturalism, right, and what what the film industry purports to do, political society purports to do, which is include everybody. For a genuine person who is interested in you and wants to form a connection and wants to learn more about the community, is there a better way to ask, what are you? I think you shouldn't ask. I think that there's a lack of humility in the assumption that someone that you barely know would would be interested in sharing that information with you or should share that information with you. Because Right away, by asking, you're saying you're different than I am, right? And though, you know, we live in a world of difference, I don't know that I want somebody sticking their finger out and reminding me all the time. Like, I, I'm quite aware of, you know, how different I am than most people. So there are questions, right, that we ask each other to sort of suss out what your connections are. My mother used to say, um, where are you from? What's your name? Who are your people? I think those things are questions that we can ask each other. How do you see yourself? You know, who are your people? But I have yet to have someone say, so what's your background? You know, whether that person is white, whether that person is black, whether that person is mixed. And for me to not think, 
why are you asking me this question? My name is Kelly and I'm from Ottawa, Ontario. I think as a mixed race person, it's really important for me to identify as mixed race because that bridges both my ethnicity and my race because it's difficult to kind of capture both. Like, I'm not gonna say I'm Swiss, Japanese, French, like that's so weird. But saying mixed race really like acknowledges my ethnicity as much as my race and I feel much more comfortable in that. I'm John O'Hunt, the most offensive one given that I am half Caucasian. Well, don't you think you're going to be fine in society because you're white passing? That shouldn't be why I am fine in Western society. It shouldn't be because I can play the white card or the privilege card or whatever you'd like to call it. I think that there's a changing landscape in Canada and in the world now, actually in the Western world, of mixies as we call ourselves. Uh, I say that with some pride. And we are back with Rima. You work with Mixed in Canada, which you founded. What do you do in your work to support mixed race people? Growing up in rural Canada, surrounded by white people, in every sense of the term, I had no language to articulate my situation. I had no language to discuss my experiences. <clears throat> and I think that when you cannot talk about yourself and you cannot talk about your experiences and there's no words for your experiences, it's it, it can cause a lot of mental health issues because it's almost like you don't exist. Um, you know, words like fetishization or objectification, words that as soon as I heard them, I felt like my whole paradigm shift being like, oh my God, there's a word for that. That thing that I've been experiencing all this time that I had no words for, that people told me didn't exist. There is a word for it, and it does exist, and I'm not the only one who's experienced this, um, I think is so, so important. So one of my big goals in a lot of the work I do is actually to share language so that people can talk about these things. Could you give us like an example, break that term down maybe? Sure, yeah. So fetishization is when one person um, objectifies another person and sees them only for the elements of what they are. So, you know, a lot of people fetishize mixed race people because they see them as non-human, either more animal or like superhuman. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, even the word like mulatto comes from the word mule. I mean, some people will argue that, but the similarities are too obvious. So a mule, of course, is a horse and a donkey's child that is unable to have children of its own. So it's this, you know, kind of sad animal, <laughs> mixed right. race animal, right? And mulatto uh, is a term for mixed, black mixed people? Exactly. That's right. So it's an old term that was used for people who are black mixed or mixed with black or multiracial black. Um, so it's very dehumanizing, right? Um, and um, on the other side as well, though, you get, you know, exotic fruit, chocolate, caramel, honey, um, comparing mixed race people to like foods like that are considered, you know, sexual in nature almost. Um, I'm cringing so hard right now. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's as simple as, you know, hearing, uh, you know, oh, like white guys saying like, I love half Asian girls, like they're so hot. You know, that's that's a very easy example of fetishization. Um, so what makes having a preference for half Asian people any worse than having a preference for Asian people? Well, 
the thing with mixed race people, um, in this particular example, and in in most literature, mixed race means half white. Um, mm. People who are mixed with white tend to get the most attention in the mixed race world, again, because of white supremacy. And it's it's normalized as being what mixed is, where a lot of mix, mixed people are not mixed with white at all, you know, like black and Indian or Asian and indigenous. When you take a person of color and add whiteness, there is this really um, problematic mixture of exotification with this kind of dampening field of whiteness. So, you know, she's black, but she doesn't have all the negative attributes that we attribute to blackness because of this, the whiteness. So to put that in real terms, you know, uh, I've been complimented for having European features, um, that my blackness isn't scary because I have light skin and my hair is curly and not kinky. So it's, it's this idea that being mixed with white um, brings them closer to being human, but also still has that exotic flair of somewhere else. It's a good, it's a good question because it definitely, there's a definite um, difference when it comes to people who are mixed with white. Going back to our question to being asked, what are you? We want to conclude by talking about if there are ways people can be more respectful with their curiosity, or would you just say that if you're someone who, this question should not be asked. If you're a stranger and you meet someone and you want to ask about their background, just don't. Right. Is this, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, I think that, you know, always take into account the ways that you access privilege when you're asking somebody about themselves. Is this an identity that, you know, if you are white and you're asking a person of color where they're from, do you actually have to ask them? Um, is your curiosity that deep? And if it is, fine, but be prepared for the repercussions. You know, if someone gets offended, you can't act like the victim. Um, and there are ways to ask that I think are more respectful, such as like, who are you and how do you identify? Um, and waiting to ask until you get to know them a bit better. Um, and, and you can always ask yourself, do I need to know this? And why do I need to know this? And I think it's a good way to kind of add some self critique to the question. Um, what information am I expecting to get from this person? Mm. Um, how will that change how I see them or read them? I think it's, you know, the more interesting questions are those. <laughs> um, I'd be more interested to hear those questions, those answers from the people asking. Um, there we go, listeners. Rima has some questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> Look inward, ask yourself. Exactly. Rima, you have really opened my eyes. Oh, uh, I always thought that it would be way better to be a mixed person. And to me, mixed necessarily does not mean mixed with white. Mm -hmm. Mixed could be any two. And that would be more from the interesting point of view. The life would be interesting. I will have a more interesting history. My, my father is a Sikh. My mother is a Sikh. It's so boring. So from that <laughs> point of view, I always thought that it would be so exciting. But keep in mind also that uh, uh, I'm a male. So that may bring in a little dynamics. And I never thought that anybody who would get privilege because of being mixed, as in your case, mm -hmm. would also have... Uh, the other part that, no, that's still not right, even though I have privilege. 
I'm still not good with it. Right. So those are the two things uh, definitely they're takeaways for me, I okay. guess, <laughs> in cool. my real life. So much of what we've been discussing today has been so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us, Rima. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Where can our listeners find your work? Where can they check you out? So you can uh, just Google Mixed in Canada. Um, the website should come up, but it's also mixedincanada.com. And uh, yeah, all of my contact information is there. So feel free to reach out at any time. And and I'm happy to chat about these things at any time. That's so awesome. Yeah. It was a privilege and a pleasure talking with you, Rima. Same, same. I'm Harvinder Vadva. And I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. This episode, you heard Rima Tavares and Charlotte Henney. You heard voice notes from Jono Hunt, Keisha James, and Kelly Kitagawa. You can find the accompanying webcomic for this episode at iqpodcast.com. This episode, it was illustrated by Sarah Lee. You can find their work at sarahleewrites.com. Follow us on all the socials at IQ underscore podcast and talk to us. We want to hear from you. The evil geniuses behind this podcast are Sabrina Birch, Aaron Garrett, Cindy Long, and myself. And thank you to our interns and associates, Nuha Khan, Pia Arnetta, Faria Ahmed, and Haley Krichman. We are supported by the Ryerson University Transmedia Zone. An inappropriate question is like spending half an hour writing an email, and then they reply, K. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.